0: Morena, Morena, Morena. Well, I'm just in Morena because it is 11.59am and we are about to head into the afternoon. But hello everyone and welcome to the Have a Chat with Nat podcast. I am your host, Nat. It has been a hot hot minute. I just checked the last time I uploaded a podcast was in August of 2021. It was the 16th of August, which was the day before we went into lockdown. It was also my husband's birthday, and it was also a day that I was in hospital with him. A lot. A lot has happened in the past little minute. So, um, we're going to get into it. Uh, So, I've just changed my hosting platform. I was with Sprout and now I'm with Anchor FM. And apparently it only allows you to record up to 30 minutes. So I'm going to have to try and keep this really short. And y'all know that I'm not very good at that. So we'll try our best. But basically what's going to happen today is I'm going to take you through a little uh, life update. Actually it's probably not going to be a little life update. It's going to be a freaking huge one because we've got from August to now. Uh, I'm recording this on the 31st of January, so there is a lot to cover. Uh, but yeah, sit back, relax, have yourself a nice little cup of tea or something, something, and we'll get into it. Alrighty, now normally I usually record my podcast in Audacity, and then I go through, edit it, take out any background noises, any ums and ahs, and then do the thing. But uh, with Anchor, which is by Spotify, um, this sort of podcasting, hosting thingamajig, uh, it doesn't have an editing platform. So I'm going to just have to record this as it is with all the ums and the ahs and the everything. So (laughs) here we go. Uh, So let's go. Oh, my goodness. Uh, So much has happened. So... The last party that I did was with my House of Drag uh, sister and alumni, Bionica. If you haven't listened to that, then you can go and listen to that. That is uh, the latest one that I have up. Uh, And then, goodness, so yeah, so that came out on the 16th of August, which happened to be my husband's birthday, and it also happened to be uh, the day that I went into hospital with him. Uh, my hubby uh i try to keep things very personal he's a very private person and he doesn't really like to have his private matters um discussed on the interwebs which i 110 um respect but basically he was very very sick he had a um he had a form of arthritis that was undiagnosed and he was in a lot of immense pain for a good five or six months and oh my gosh i i thank our lucky stars because we went into hospital that day. We were waiting in ED for ages, and the doctor uh, finally saw us at the end of the day uh, after being in there sitting in ED for ages. And he was like, "Well, we can't admit you because you're not dying." <laughs> we were like, ow. But what he did do was uh, he we had a uh, appointment with a rheumatologist and. Uh, he was able to fast track that, and so the next day, which was the day that we went into lockdown, uh, I think we got notified at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, that was when Jacinda did the update, and um, telling us that we were going into lockdown that night. We were sitting in a rheumatology room, just basically waiting to be seen in between appointments, and he finally got diagnosed, he has um, cirrhotic arthritis, which is um, from psoriasis, which he's had for about 15 years, and it can develop into a um, arthritis and uh it was so good to get him diagnosed because once he was diagnosed and we could get him on this uh immuno immunosuppressant called uh, methotrexate and it was actually a blessing in disguise really going into lockdown for that extended period of time because it allowed for the methotrexate to start working on his body and had we have not got that diagnosis then he would have gone through the entirety of that lockdown and huge huge amounts of pain. And I can't even, like, he was bedridden, couldn't get out of bed. It just felt like all his joints had shards of glass in it. It was really horrible. So, uh, it's really lovely to say now that he's got, he's basically back to normal. He obviously has to take his uh, drugs. Um, but it's incredible, you know, when you think about how far we've come and how many diseases and ailments and stuff we can live with now, thanks to medication that otherwise we you know, back in the day, wouldn't have been able to, so that was a big thing, and then I think from that, you know, it's it's uh, experiences like that, that make you realize that life, it kind of brings you back down to earth, makes you reevaluate what the heck is important in life, and makes you, I, I think that's been like a real, um, Big thing for everybody over these lockdowns and over this pandemic is reevaluating what is really truly important and sort of taking leaps of faith into the deep end rather than holding off because you're too scared or whatever have you. Like so many people have started businesses or or um, really put time into their side hustle or uh, decided to move out of that job that they really didn't like anymore, which is great, which is awesome. But uh, yeah, so basically we decided after living for over a decade, I can't believe it was that long at my folks house, uh we decided right we need to have our own space we need to move out um it was impacting my mental health like i love my folks and everything but uh i really needed my own space i'm a real homebody who needs their sort of and i I also because my job is so people-facing i need a lot of decompression time away from people and others energies and i wasn't really able to do that because i was living with other people and we were living in like a sort of granny flat which was only 60 square meters so uh it was really starting to impact my mental health especially over the lockdowns and i'm sure everyone can attest to this it's in some sort of way or another not being able to like get any time out or away from others uh and so in shane's business um they needed to find a new premise for their work so they needed a factory and yeah so basically Within a space of about three weeks, really, we found a house, we found a factory, and they both got uh, offers. Both like we we've hired the factory, they've got a lease on it, and we're renting the house that we're in. So within a twenty four hour span, they both got approved, and then I spent a full week just packing, (laughs) just packing all our lives away, and it was actually like a real Marie Condo. If you haven't, if you don't know who Marie Condo is. I do talk about her in a podcast. Two podcast back. What is oh, it's a car. Um, I can hear myself on the mic, and everything sounds like super crystal clear. Um, and uh, yeah, we packed all our lives away. Did a Marie condo, cleaned everything out, moved out. Uh, my parents are still not over it. Uh, they're finding it very very hard not having us there, and more so my daughter Aria. I think because uh, she's grown up there. It's been her only home. And yeah, so we, uh, I won't say we were living, just for privacy issues, but I'm out West Auckland anyway, and it's been really wonderful, but we moved over the lockdown, so we were still in level three then, and it was between the school holidays. Um, So it was a shame because Aria never got to say goodbye to her schoolmates, because they were on holiday but also they were doing everything online Uh, and then she had to start her new school online which was weird for her and uh, she gets a bit anxious just like her mama and uh, I guess in retrospect it was probably a good thing because she was able to sort of meet them all online before she was able to meet them in person. Um, Also during this time, I like the August lockdown it just like if you're a creative or performing artist or someone who's freelance I'm sure you can attest and understand how I felt but I, I was just I was done like I was done I was just like I can't keep emotionally going through this bs of working and hustling for all my gigs and then them just being taken away from me like bang like it was it was too much of an emotional roller coaster and financially risky roller coaster as well um I think in the August lockdown I all my gigs for the rest of the year were just cancelled overnight and uh not even can like postponed just cancelled outright and uh it was and you know it was meant to be a short lockdown <laughs> it was not a short lockdown uh and it just it was I was done I was done I couldn't do it anymore and I guess I stuck through it because I'm bloody minded (laughs) and I was also like I should be able to keep doing what I do and that I love but like the matter of the fact was is that I I couldn't I, I couldn't perform I couldn't like unless I did online gigs which I hate like um I couldn't do what I need to do I couldn't be producing events I couldn't I didn't have the money set aside to be financially, um, you know, to take the fall of it if an event was to fall over on my end with a show. And so I, although it terrified me because I'd been eight years a freelancer, I was like, right, I really need to, and I was looking for freelance work, but there was just, it was drying up. Um, and, you know, I was on seek every day, having a good look around, and there was just nothing there. And and I'm one of those people that I can't, I, I totally uh, have admiration for those people who can be those per- people who will just take on any job and run with it and stick with it. I'm not that person. I have to be really interested and in love with and passionate about what I'm doing for me to be able to stick with it Or us. Uh, I just I just can't and it's really not great for my mental health and that might sound really precious but it's just the way that it is so I stuck it out and waited for something to come along that I really wanted to do and a job application came up for an event coordinator as part of Auckland Council um and I got I, I I was actually really bewildered when I got a uh uh, interview for it, um, because I'd been rejected from so many jobs, and it's not that I didn't have the qualifications, it's not that I didn't have the experience, it's just that every other event person and their dog were freaking applying for the same roles, they would just be absolutely overwhelmed, uh, so I'm just going to shut my window two seconds, There okay. um, here we go, um, so I got the uh, interview, did the interview, thought I did it right, tried not to get my hopes up too much. Like, you know, you get a good, relatively good feeling when you do those kind of things. Like, and I got the job and I was just like, oh shit. But it was a really, I'm a person that really hates grey zones and and I really like clarity. I really like things to be black and white. Which of course life isn't like that, so you know it's a it's a mental juggle sometimes. But uh, it was a real transitional stage because I had to go from having it was it was almost like an identity crisis. Like I I had this I was who I was in that present moment, and then I had to change, and my whole life was going to change, and the ricochet effect was also going to impact my daughter and my husband, and then others around me, just the way that I lived my life in general. Uh, For example, I was going from being a freelancer to a full-time employed person. I was like, you know, employed on a salary. I was going to have money in my account every couple of weeks, uh, which was, you know, in terms of financial relief, it it was a huge relief. It was like, I still find it weird when I see money crop up and I joined account, I'm like, oh! Uh, without having to like you know obviously I work really hard at my job but um, you don't you're not used to seeing the same amount of money going into your account every couple of weeks rather it's like a dribble there a dribble there you might get a huge clump there and then nothing for three months and then another bit another bit and uh, obviously working uh, 40 hours a week then that had to change a lot of things with ARIA just my routine instead of just Dropping her at school and going to the gym in the mornings. I would wake up at like 4:30, go to the gym, come home, wake her up, get her ready, blah blah blah. Uh, when I work in the office, I the night before I'm doing a lot of meal prep and food prep so that she's sorted, I'm sorted, have her out uh, her uniform laid out, etc. So these are just um, they sound like minute things, but when you've been used to sort of you know, dancing to the bit of your own drum for so long and then having to work around these hours now, it's, it really does create a huge change and it's been a change for Aria too because she's been just so used to me being available uh, and now mummy hasn't been as available um, although, you know, Shane's been really good because he's the boss of his own job so he can go and pick her up and stuff if I'm in the office but I always try and make sure that uh, if I can't be there then, you know, I'll make her lunch and I'll write her a little note in her Uh, in her lunchbox and uh, I'll try and pick her up or drop her off or something just so you know she gets to see mum. Uh, So that's really cool, so I'm still gainfully employed and I'm really really loving the work, I love my team, Uh, my festivals that I work on is Lantern Festival and Pacifica Festival uh, which I feel really humbled and gracious to be a part of those teams Uh, and yeah Uh, and then what else happened? Um, Moving forward, obviously, it was just a really tumultuous time uh, over from August to December. Uh, A lot of events people and performers were wondering what the heck was going to happen. The, oh, can you hear that? That's a, (laughs) there's a fire station that's across the road from us and the siren is so loud so sorry we're just going to have to keep going while that's going on uh use as a fun little sound effect uh and uh yeah well all the all the performers were just absolutely crushed because our golden time and when we should be making the most amount of money which is generally from october to december was like decimated we weren't able to perform so yay that was great uh and then obviously all the mandations with the vaccines and stuff happened which oh that's been a like i i I, yeah i'm not really going to get into it here but like i'm not anti-vax i'm vaccinated um obviously being in events you need you know you need to be and i see the importance of being vaccinated and you know facts are facts um i'm just not a fan of the mandation um and it's been i've seen it personally, firsthand, with uh, members of my own family, how it's really caused these huge rifts uh, between family members and their ideologies, and yeah, it's just, like, it's interesting now, because you look at, um, you look at England at the moment, and they've taken all their, man- like, all of their uh, vax, anti-vax, sort of rules, away now so now everybody can go and do everything that they were able to do like there's no um yeah there's no rules against it now so it'll be interesting to see if it happens here but like I, I was one of the first people that went and got the jab and I was really pro the jab um and you know I'm still pro-vaccine you know if I but I'm also really understanding of those who can't get it and won't get it and why they won't get it. And each to them, each their own, we should have body autonomy. Um, and you know, there's conflicting sides of the argument anywhere that you go, you know, there's people that say, oh, well, you know, these people have been anti-vax people have being really neglectful because they're not thinking about our most marginalized and they're not thinking about our disabled or you know, compromised community. And 100%, like I, I agree, but, um, then on the other side too, some people are just really, really scared of putting the vaccine in um, the, into their bodies, and they, I believe, they should have the choice as to whether they want to take it or not, uh, rather than being forced to. Um, but I don't agree with these anti-vax rallies. I don't agree with the anti-lockdown rallies. You know, I think our our government is trying to do the best that it can with the facts and the strategies that they have with at their grasp right now and um it's yeah it's a really trying time and but however with this particular going into the red traffic light the thing that i'm really not happy about is that you know uh the government used performing artists and entertainers and djs and musicians as part of their campaign for the two shots for summer and now they're being left up shit creek without a paddle because they don't have any financial support. There's no wage subsidy, no resurgence fund. What the fuck are they meant to do? <laughs> like, what are they meant to do? It's, it's terrifying. It's so scary. And you see petitions being um, put up all the time. Uh, there's one on change at the moment uh there's it's it's terrifying Uh, i don't know i don't know how long we're going to be in red for i don't know i I don't know i don't know i don't know what's going to happen and that's terrifying um yeah anyway let's leave it there (laughs) let's not make this (sighs) too political uh and so let's think about that so uh yeah so the golden time for us performers uh, last year was absolutely decimated. And then, then we moved into the traffic light framework. And you know, and so yeah, so I sort of worked four weeks before uh Christmas and that was a real learning curve because I had to learn everything online. I was I did all my induction, meeting all my team online. So that was a real time, um, especially when I was at home with Aria because she didn't start school, because they were at school for the last three and a half weeks of the term. Um, she loves her new school, she's made some really great friends and she's been able to play with them over the summer so that's been really awesome Uh, and then I decided that on the 24th of December that I was going to go teetotal and no longer drink alcohol. Uh, This had been a long time coming um, and I referred to myself as a grey zone drinker, and I'm just going to look up right now and see if I can find an actual definition for grey area drinking, grey area drinking. There's a really great TED talk about it actually, which I'll put up in the notes. the relatively new, this is from the conversation.com. the relatively new term grey area drinking describes people who consume more than a moderate amount of alcohol but don't meet the criteria for dependence. Any widespread increase in levels of alcohol consumption matters. Okay, so um, although they might not drink every day or have a drink first thing in the morning, the widely held view of an alcoholic, they are likely to be preoccupied with alcohol and have difficulty giving up. Many of these people don't view themselves in need of help. Uh, so for... I think I think everybody over the pandemic has had some interesting times with uh, substances uh, and mainly alcohol because obviously it's legal and you know being like oh YOLO like I don't have to go to work or whatever and starting to drink earlier and earlier throughout the day to try and cope try and use it as a crutch and a coping mechanism for the sort of overarching gloom of lockdown. And I was started to be one of those people I never started to drink super early, but like as soon as sort of four or five o'clock hit, you know, I'd reach for the wine bottle and I just noticed that I was using it as a crutch and uh I and I just I used it as a way to sort of numb myself out and allow myself to wind down because i'm a anxious person and uh, i can hold a lot of anxiety in my body and in my brain and a lot of uh, running thoughts and things and so it seemed to be one of the things that helped to sort of calm my brain down and stop it from being so overactive but it started to become like basically if you ever question if your alcohol is becoming a problem, if your alcohol consumption is becoming a problem, then maybe that's a good sign, that's like a red flag for you to kind of reassess how, what your relationship with alcohol is. And I'm going to do a whole nother podcast on the first 30 days of sobriety because I am, I think I'm 34 days now sober. So, so uh, I'm going to leave the, all of that for another podcast. But basically, I'm now at 34 days, um, I've had a couple of, I've had a couple of days where I've had like one or two glasses, um, I had a couple of glasses over Christmas on one day, I had a couple of glasses when I was signing out, when we were doing High Life Setup, and then I had a, two weeks ago, my hubby and I decided to have like a bit of a um, party night together, and it kind of reaffirmed why I didn't drink alcohol, why I don't. But basically, I decided to go sober, and the first thirty days are definitely the hardest. Um, it's not that you know, and it's hard. It's a weird thing because from the quit, you know, there's stuff called quit lit, which is kind of like quit literature to help you sort of, and like there's autobiographies or there's like. Um, self-help sort of books but the two books that I started reading which is the Sober Girl Society handbook by Millie Gooch Mm -hmm. and Catherine Gray's The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober both really great books and both autobiographies but also with a lot of factual detail about alcohol and neuroscience the neoplasticity of the brain how addiction works Um, and then also kind of quite some interesting political Things about alcohol and how it uh, is marketed to us, and the kind of um, subliminal messaging that we get throughout our lives about alcohol, and uh, yeah, it's it's really it's really op- opens your eyes. Um, just even simple things like you know how we have the alcohol and drug helpline, but alcohol is a drug, so it's quite interesting that they try to distinguish alcohol as something separate from drugs when actually alcohol is a drug <laughs> so it should just be called the drug helpline because alcohol is a drug and if you and there are some um I don't have the facts with me in front of me right now but um I know there's been some studies done in terms of how destructive uh alcohol is um and it, it there's one study that I read that and that it's called the oh gosh, I can't even remember what it's called now, but basically there was a study done where it talks about how destroying or how all-encompassing a certain drug can be to your life and how damaging it can be. And I think alcohol rated 76 or something, like it rated really high up. Under that was heroin, which was like nearly half, like at (laughs) 40-something. And under that was crack cocaine at like 20-something. So it's like, you know, in terms of the most destructive drug, in people's lives, um, and how it affects not only their lives, but the people outside of their kids, their partners, their family, their friends, and in their outer circles, it happens to be the most destructive, so anyway, as I said, I'm going to do a podcast about that, but um, it's taught me, uh, in in a nutshell, it's taught me a lot about myself, Uh, it's 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 made me sit with my feelings instead of ignoring them and drinking them away, which can be really, really hard and confronting and scary to do. Um, just as a quick thing, my best uh, recommendations are to have a confidant, someone who is going to help you through and be non-judgmental and someone who you can call or go and see when you're having a craving and it's really overwhelming. Um, And I'm going to talk you through my podcast uh, about the first 30 days, about the things that have really helped me. Uh, It definitely gets easier. It's it's very easy now, but I'm still, you know, not letting myself, uh, you know, I'm watching myself because I don't you know I don't want to be like oh you know I'm cured which you know I won't be but uh it's definitely easier and I don't want to like slip by like letting go of the handlebars too early so I did that and then had Christmas near year with my Fano, which was beautiful and then started setting up for High Life New Year's Eve because I event manager for that. So before I got my full time job, I was working for High Life as their event producer. I was working on High Life New Year's Eve as well as Sunsetter. Um, pretty much organized a whole bunch of that event. And then we went to lockdown, and because it's literally like a one man business, uh, my dear friend Adam, who is the director, couldn't keep me on. So that's so I lost my job, and that's where I decided to apply for a full time job um and and a uh, you know uh actual employed job rather than a contracting job and but i did say to him because he's he's a mate of mine we've been friends for 15 years and he's a real good bugger so i was like look i'll definitely work the festival so went up there started um uh, packing him for that and then we got the 11 o'clock or oh, 10 30 11 o'clock announcement on the 30th the day before new year's um with christopher hipkins and it was so funny like y'all know when he he was he was camping like true blue kiwi camp um at a batch or something somewhere and he came out um, and all the media were on the grass outside this batch, <laughs> and he walked down, and then he hid behind a tree to compose himself, and uh, it was so funny, and he was in a soup. Um But, yeah, but basically, we were at Matakana, and we had to go right up to the top of the vineyard and hold our phones up to try and get reception, and he blabbed on for 20 minutes about a whole bunch of stuff, and we we're like, can you just tell us if we can actually do our festival or not? Turns out we were able to do our festival, so it was fine, and did the festival freaking Oh, it was so good, and just to see so many of the lovely DJs and stuff, who were like, holy shit, I haven't done a live gig in like six months, I feel a bit rusty, but it was just seeing everyone together, and all come, oh, it was just, it was just the best way to start the new year, like, it was just, it was just bomb.com, so, uh, we get into new year, and that was fine, and then, um, oh, and I forgot, see, this is the problem, see, I just kind of chat with these things, um, and just let the let the talk happen organically. Uh, so I don't point any pointers down. But when did I? It was before August, but I didn't make it. I made it public, I think, in June, July, maybe, maybe June or July. I can't remember exactly. But anyway, I came out as non-binary. Um, my pronouns are she, she they, she, she, uh, she they. Um, and I think it's a long time coming, it's been something that you know when you're sort of blinded by your own um, ignorance a bit and like to everybody else it's really fucking obvious but <laughs> to you you're just like oh yeah like it finally clicks with you you know I've always dressed androgynously. I've always um, well actually I lie I you know when I came out as bisexual publicly and 2020, 2019, 2019, 2020, um, I sort of really embraced that, but I also started to, like, I don't know, I kind of feel like I was, even though I'd come out in that respect, I think I was, I think I was kind of scared about coming out as non-binary, like, I kind of knew that that was what I was, but I didn't, really admit it to myself. I was like, oh no, you know, I just like to dress like really androgynous and blah, blah, blah. That's just kind of my vibe. Like That's what I do. Um, And then I started to grow my hair long and started to dress like a little bit more femme. And I just felt really uncomfortable. It wasn't really me. Um, And I'm going to switch recording because this is about to stop because I've nearly been talking for 30 minutes I told you I'm terrible at this hold up and we're back in the room uh so yeah and it was it was around that time last year that I went and got my hair cut short again um I've always I've had short hair for about 18 years and growing it out I just was like this doesn't feel like me I just don't feel like me you know, and once I did that, it just kind of reaffirmed how I felt about myself, and then I came out to everyone, and it just felt really freeing. I didn't expect everyone to be like, yay! Um, if anything, some of my MB friends were like, one of us, one of us, which was great, but yeah it's just you know it's just a part of that it just shows that you know ne- like you know I'm turning 35 this year and it just shows that you're never too old to embrace yourself and I think that's a real part of the queer journey too um you know you don't have to be like a 16 year old and decide you know come to terms with your sexuality you know uh life is a long journey and um you're always learning and learning new things about yourself and there's definitely things I'm learning about myself and I have some more to update you on learning about oneself uh, in another podcast too but anyway so that's something that happened which I forgot to tell you all about and then we got back into work and that was all good and so I've been working on Lantern Festival so uh, that's been amazing and really great and uh Festival Festival's one of the biggest festivals in all of uh the Southern Hemisphere. So is she she's a big unit, it's it's big. And uh we were just hoping, we were just hoping, because obviously Omicron showed its red, its ugly head, and we were like, right, yay, yeah, another strain. Uh and then we were just, it was basically just a waiting game. We were waiting, but we were hoping that we'd be able to get Landon Fest through. But then, obviously, two weeks ago, uh, I was in a yoga class, and, um, you know, I was feeling all zen, and it was all very nice, and then uh, came out, and then, holy motherfucker, <laughs> I gave this, like, flurry of text messages from my coworkers being like, ah, let me talk, uh, press announcement, oh my god, blah, 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 and I was like, fuck, ah, here we go, and sure enough, Jacinda was like, yeah, we've got a McConnell in the community, the whole country's going into red. and oh my god, so it got back and my team and I got together and we talked it through and then we had to go make some really big decisions over the course of the days and then we uh, officially announced to everybody on the Tuesday after that uh, Auckland London Festival, the live festival, was not going to go ahead and instead it would be online. So you will still be able to uh, celebrate Chinese New Year with us which officially starts tomorrow uh, on www.aucklandnz.com forward slash lantern we've got some cool little things going on there um but it's just a huge shame and it's the third year now that uh lantern festival hasn't been able to run but um yeah and we're hoping because pacifica is in mid-march so we're hoping oh, honestly like we're hoping that we'll be able to do something there i'm it's just it just sucks because it's in the hands of the gods, right? Like it's like, well, what do we do? Um, so yeah, I guess we're just waiting and now we're in red again. I'm so glad personally that we're in red, um, not another level three, because I can like, you know, for selfish reasons, um, I can still go to the gym, which is a huge uh mental health release for me. And it gives me my own time and allows me to just get a lot of anxious energy out of my body. Um Aria can go to school, which is really great for her and her mental health because she's really struggled. As a lot of kids have struggled, especially over that August lockdown. She's an only child, so she was at she was by herself for like seven or eight weeks, um, which sucked. Like you know, you can do zooms with your friends and stuff, but it's just not the same as playing person to person. And yeah, so she can go to school, which is great. She goes back to school next Thursday, which is oh, this Thursday rather, which she's very excited about. Um, I also get a little bit more me time uh, just getting to be by myself and i really something that over the course of this past year that I've really uh, taken account of and tried to really um, implement into my life is knowing that I get f- people fatigued very easily um, and certainly not performing as much has really helped with that but just when i'm tired i respect that and i listen to myself and i don't beat myself up about needing alone time um there's yeah there's there's kind of a big update that i need to give you about um things like that but i will save it for another episode because i have a very important meeting coming up about that Sorry to be really vague, but we'll get there. Um, But yeah, I guess that's where we're at at the moment. So enjoying living in our new place. Um, Obviously, going into this red, I was so incredibly thankful because I was like, wow, I'm really, really, really glad I made the switch to full-time employment into a profession that African love, with an amazing team, really supportive company. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm feeling very, very blessed, but my heart, I'm also a massive empath, and my heart is fucking aching right now for freelancers, and creatives, and musicians, and DJs, and other, like, you know, performers, entertainers, because they have, like, at least in the last lockdown, we had the wage subsidy, now they've got nothing, and it's, it's fucking scary, and I don't know how long we're going to be in red for, so that's time, but anyway, that is kind of my life update in a nitty shell. Um, I'm sure I've forgotten things, but I'm not going to keep blabbering on because it's just going to be a little much, you know, aren't mine? Um Yeah, but next podcast I'm going to do is about the first 30 days of sobriety. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. Also, I'll give you another update on some other things. I might have a guest. Person to come and help me with that podcast, which would be cool. If there's anything that you would love me to go over, um, might do a little bit of a when the cast of RuPaul's Drag Race done Under gets revealed, might do a little um, podcast on that because i would be kind of mm mm-hmm. That that is interesting. If uh, if any of you are interested in seeing the potential spoiler threads, go to Reddit that's all I'm going to say about that. Anyway, my lovelies, I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day. If you have reached the end of this, thank you so much for being invested in what I have to say in my life, because, you know, sometimes I record these and I'm like, who the fuck cares? (laughs) But thank you for giving a shit. That's really nice of you. Um, I'm really glad that you like to hear me korero. So, Uh, I don't know when I'm going to be recording the baby sobriety podcast. I'd probably do in the next week or so, but you know, life gets busy, honey. So I would upload it when I upload it, but be sure to check back soon. Thank you so much again. I hope you have a wonderful uh, rest of your week. Uh, If you are in Auckland, we are about to go into another long weekend uh, this week with Auckland Anniversary Weekend. So I hope that you have another lovely long weekend and I will catch you on the flip side. Bye.